Hello and welcome to Vibrant Lives podcast, a podcast dedicated to your health and well-being, featuring interviews with experts about nutrition, physical health, mental health, and my five-minute food facts series, which are short episodes where I discuss nutrition-related topics. I'm Amanda Hayes, your host. I'm a lawyer turned nutritionist, and I'm on a quest to learn as much as I possibly can about living a healthy, active, and fulfilling life which I would call a vibrant life, hence the name of this podcast, and sharing what I learn with you on this podcast. The health and nutrition space can be a confusing one where information and misinformation abound and identifying reliable, trustworthy sources of information is not always straightforward. But my aim is to help you do that by speaking with knowledgeable guests who can explain their area of expertise in an accessible way and provide you with practical tips that you can use to improve your own well-being. Before I introduce today's guest, I will quickly acknowledge that any information or advice provided in Vibrant Lives podcast is not intended to be used to treat or prevent any medical conditions and it's never a substitute, as you know, for advice from your own health professionals. Today I am here with Dr. Catherine Grellman, a sports and exercise medicine registrar at Spark, the sports and arthritis clinic here in Adelaide. I came across Catherine when I attended a female runner education evening where she was one of the presenters, along with Beck Sabine, who was recently a guest on my podcast discussing pelvic floor health. As an accomplished water polo player, Catherine has always been interested in sports, and in particular, female athlete health, which will be the topic of our discussion today. We'll be shining a spotlight on the menstrual cycle, and I would argue that it's important for both women, obviously, and men to know about the menstrual cycle, because men can be partners, fathers, coaches, and teachers of girls. We'll also be discussing how to find the best-fitting sports bra, and why that's important. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Vibrant Lives podcast. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on as a guest. And Catherine, I always like to start the interview with a few quick fire questions to get to know a little bit about you outside your work as a sports and exercise physician or registrar in in that area. Catherine, where did you grow up? I grew up on a cotton farm outside of Weewalk. Uh, which is a town of about 1,800 people in northwestern New South Wales. Oh, interesting. And your favourite form of exercise, Catherine? I'm definitely a swimmer. Uh, Mum and Grandpa taught me to swim before I could walk um, and I haven't really stopped since. Um, so, yeah, now I play water polo um, but also love ocean swimming. Yeah, oh, great. I love ocean swimming too. It's wonderful. Um, your go-to meal for dinner on a weeknight, say? Uh, I'd have to say a surprise stir fry. Um, I'm not very good at following recipes, but I do like emptying fridge into a pan and seeing what happens. Yeah, oh, that's great. And it's also a good way to not waste any food as well, isn't it? Yeah. And Catherine, what are you enjoying listening to at the moment? It could be an audio book, a music podcast. Uh, I'm always listening to No Such Thing as a Fish, uh, which is a podcast for the, uh, by the people who write the TV show QI. Uh, so they present their favourite facts for the week and then discuss kind of for 15 minutes about each of those topics and kind of go on some completely random tangents, um, whether it's like, uh, what was this week's one? Um, there was one, well, a couple of weeks ago, there was one about like the oldest statue that they've ever um, found of like a miniature 
um, horse. <laughs> Complete things you didn't need, didn't think you needed to know about, um, but are entertaining for an hour. So. Oh, that sounds great. In fact, another friend's recommended that one to me as well. And Catherine, your dream holiday destination. I probably have to say my parents' place. Um, they've moved from the farm at Weewar now, um, so they're on a macadamia farm outside of Austinville, um, the northern rivers of New South Wales. Wow. Uh, the orchid, orchid is just beautiful. Um, it's only 20 minutes from the beach and there's all these fresh seafood on the menu, so can't get any more better than that. Amazing. And it's great that um, your dream holiday destination is actually probably not too hard to get to compared to, say, flying overseas or whatever, so no, that's brilliant. And Catherine, so sport, as you alluded to, has played a huge part in your life, particularly water polo, and I believe also hockey was part of your life too. So can you tell us a little bit about your involvement in those sports? For example, when did you start? What did you like about them? That kind of thing. Yeah, so growing up on the farm, um, sport was always um, the way that we got off the farm and got to um, hang out with friends and stuff. Um, so I did a lot of that in primary school. And then I went to a boarding school in Tamworth um, and that's where I, they had water polo and hockey competitions. And so we just essentially the same club for each sport um, just rolled around each season. Um, and as a boarder, sport was always the way to get out of the boarding house. Um, I played everything that anyone would let me. <laughs> were you drawn to water polo because you were a good swimmer? Yeah, um, I very quickly realised that I was never going to be an Australian um, Olympic swimmer, um, but I was quite quick over the first kind of 10 or 15 metres um, and, and then like the team sport aspect of it. So that's, um, yeah, something I've been able to um, really enjoy now. I believe you've reached an elite level in water polo as well. Is that right? Uh, I wouldn't call it elite. Uh, I've, played for, I've played for New South Wales country um, at the national championships a couple of times. Uh, yeah, so having some fun with it. I think that sounds elite. <laughs> it's it's higher than most people go. And at what point, Catherine, did you know that you wanted to become a doctor? Uh, this is probably going to sound silly, but not until the third year of med school. Uh, I always like I always love science. And I always love talking to people, so I always thought that medicine is probably what I wanted to do. Um, but it wasn't until the third year of med school when I started hang, um, actually being in the hospital talking to patients. Um, really getting a feel for what life as a doctor was like, um, that I was like, yeah, this is definitely what I want to do. Oh, that's good. So you were obviously, your instincts were right because you'd started studying and then it turned out to be the right choice, which is good because it's a long degree if, if it turns out that it's not what you want to do. It was very relieving, that's for sure, when I had that moment. <laughs> and you've gravitated towards sports and exercise. Was that an obvious choice for you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, literally no one in my um, close circle was surprised uh, when I said I was going to do sports medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was one of those times that um, it's not, you don't really get exposed to it too much as part of med school. Um, but I had a friend uh, a couple of years older than me who, who was doing some and she was like, you need to hang out with these guys. Uh, and so after my first day, I remember calling dad and being like, yeah, I found my people. This is what I'm going to do. Brilliant. Oh, that's such a good, that's so good to hear. And now you're working at the Sports and Arthritis Clinic, or SPARC, here in Adelaide, and I believe that you moved over from Newcastle to take up this position. So how are you finding living here in Adelaide? Uh, I love Adelaide. Uh, it's a lot like Newcastle. It kind of has that big country town kind of feel. Um, I do miss being able to surf at my back door, uh, like I could in Newcastle, um, but certainly the wineries are making up for it. Oh, that's good. 
That's good. How long have you been based here? I moved over at the start of 2021. Okay, so you, you've been here long enough to know your way around. And Catherine, you have a special interest in female athlete health, which is one of the topics I love talking about. And we know, obviously, that exercise benefits our health, both physically and mentally. But unfortunately, when it comes to team sport, um, the dropout rate for girls from the age of 15 is quite high. By the age of 15, about a third of all girls have stopped playing club sport, and by 20, another third will have left. And some of the reasons cited for that are lack of role models is one, and that women felt that um, there was inequality in sport. And another reason is when girls reach puberty, they feel sometimes awkward about their changing body image. And that's another point in time when girls drop out of sport. And I just wondered, being involved in that area yourself um, and in your opinion, how can we break down some of those barriers and keep our girls playing sport? That's a million-dollar question, isn't it? It is. I think if we'd like to touch on each of those topics, um, so starting with the like inequalities with women's sport, um, certainly something with like a big part of that is the facilities and the facilities available to women. Um, I remember like being in primary school and playing soccer and you'd only get your, uni- your um, club strip um, in the mornings on the day So and there was no change rooms available so you had to change your shirt on the side of the pitch and then you did the same at the end of the game. We're playing in mixed teams. Um, so I remember, like, that's always been a thing and certainly now working in women's football um, in Adelaide, uh, we have our own change rooms, but often the, um, there's no, there might be one or two individual toilets, the showers are open, those kind of facilities. So changing and having an accessible, like, facilities for women um, is going to be a big part of that. And we're making um, progress towards that. There's lots of the footy clubs are, um, have got grants now and are making those changes. And we've got things like the um, Matildas, the National Women's Soccer Team, um, are having a new base set up in uh, Melbourne, which has been specifically designed for a women's team. So all of the showers are individual and toilets are individual. And then they've got other little things like a braiding station with a mirror in the middle of the club, like the um, open space. Mm-hmm. So you can braid your hair and keep it out of your face. Um, and those kinds of things, which are, like men don't need, but um, women, certainly, the braiding is a very important part of um being um, like playing football so yeah oh that's um, so interesting never never thought of that hmm. no, that yeah so that's a really cool thing that they're doing um I think in terms of role models that that's probably changing um names like Aaron Phillips Sam Kerr Ash Barty are all kind of yeah. household names now um like their parents um they're kind of being able to do things um so you can see what you want to be now yes I agree and I think another, like the role models, certainly the like elite athletes are an important role model, but I think families and the community are important role models too. And that probably builds into the the dropout of girls in high school is the folk missing that bit of education mm-hmm. about changing um, your self-image, the breast development periods, how to manage that while you're swimming, all those kinds of yeah. things having parents who are actually participating in exercise and normalising that and normalising, managing those things and making it part of the day-to-day stuff. Everyone says, I get too busy and so then I don't exercise. But I think, and that's kind of starts at school when people say, oh, I'm studying for 
the like my year 12 exams I don't have time to exercise I have to drop all my sport so I think being able to change that rhetoric and encouraging people to exercise is actually something you need to prioritize at school so even when life gets busy you still have that habit of exercising keeping up your mental health your physical health and being able to achieve that balance whatever that is um, in life um, because I think um, it can be, well, it is, I think, counterproductive not to exercise when you're studying hard or whatever it is because it actually makes you more efficient, it makes you feel better, it actually helps. So we need to get that message out there, I think. Yeah, and it doesn't need to be a lot of exercise. It can be 10 push-ups and 10 squats every hour or two when you need a break. Um, it can be a 10-minute walk just so you get some sunlight on your face. It doesn't have to be a lot. Just getting those little bits gets you started. Yeah, I think that's a really good point because people are put off by the thought that it has to be hard and long and you have to get sweaty. And whereas uh, there's been quite a lot of research recently about what they call exercise snacks, just like small bouts of so in between um, perhaps if you're studying chemistry for half an hour and then moving to English, you could spend a few minutes just doing some star jumps or squats or whatever it is just to get, get your heart pumping a bit, get your blood moving. Yeah, just anything helps. So. Yeah, and I do agree that there are certainly some excellent female uh, role models in sports. Sam Kerr you mentioned and, and Ash Barty we all love so much. I actually had a tear in my eye when she... <laughs> when she retired because she's such a wonderful person for young sports people to look up, up to, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm sure we'll see her in some more sports soon. Oh, it, it seems that anything she turns her hand to, she's just fantastic at, obviously, cricket, and uh, she's pretty handy at golf as well. So, <laughs> yeah, it won't be the last we see of Ash Barty, I'm sure. So you mentioned earlier... Um, one of the barriers we were talking about to women, young girls staying in sport is um, their when their period starts, their body changes, they develop breasts. So I thought it would be really interesting to have a bit of a chat about the menstrual cycle to understand more about it because I just want to give a very small preamble. So I'm in perimenopause at the moment and because I really wanted to understand what was happening as I was going through this, just in general, and also how it will potentially affect my training and my mood, I started doing quite a lot of reading about it. And to understand what's happening in perimenopause or any phase, you really need to understand what a normal menstrual cycle looks like. And I kind of thought, isn't that crazy that you can get to my age and really have not much clue about what's happening hormonally to you um, as a woman. So I thought it would be really useful to break down the menstrual cycle. You can explain to us what's happening in our bodies. And I think it's really important knowledge for girls, for women, for mothers, for fathers. The more we know, the better. I want to help spread that awareness and that knowledge. And so that is what we can do today, Catherine. So I thought it might be a good place to start by explaining, I guess, in quite basic terms, what a normal menstrual cycle looks like. So a normal menstrual cycle starts on the day one of menses, or the day one of bleeding, uh, and it goes for 21 to 35 days. 
Um, it's regular, so your period is always about the same amount of days. Um, that means it's kind of 37 days, but it's always 37 days. Um, most people bleed for kind of three to five days. Uh, there is some discomfort, some mild discomfort or bloating, which is associated with different times of the period for different people. But that kind of, that shouldn't affect your ability to train or work um, or anything like that. In terms of the like specific science of it, um, as doctors we break it up into two parts. So there's the follicular phase, which is the pre-ovulation, um, where the body's preparing itself um, for an egg to be released. And then um, ovulation happens, so the egg is released. And then the luteal phase is where the body initially starts to prepare itself for implantation of the pregnancy. And then when that doesn't happen, it says, okay, that's not going to happen. So then it um, winds down and then we get the menses again to start. Right. So during um, the first phase, I guess that's the follicular phase, I've also I've heard it described also as the low hormone phase. So what's happening with our hormones in that phase? Yeah, so that's when the um, estrogen and progesterone are relatively low um, and then you get the estrogen spike um, when they're um, at ovulation followed by a progesterone spike after. Um, so that kind of, so those are happening at the end because those are the hormones which are important for the development of the egg and um, the and implantation of the egg um, if pregnancy is to occur. So that's when, so they rise then and then they fall again when the body realises that it hasn't become pregnant. Uh, so start the process again. So the next phase, if I'm understanding this, is the luteal phase, and that's also called the high hormone phase. So what's going on there with our hormones? Yeah, so as I said, that's when the um, progesterone and the estrogen are um, preparing the body for the um, egg implantation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, when, so, when, so thickening up the um, endometrium, the wall of the uterus, uh, and preparing that um, if an egg is to be implanted right. and then it lets it go again. Okay. And that's really interesting. And uh, before uh, Catherine and I came on air, we were having a quick chat about how the phase of your menstrual cycle can affect your training. And the interesting answer is that I'll let Catherine explain is. Yeah. So there's been a lot of research done on it um, and there's still what's going on um, in research um, on how periods affect um, training performance, injury risk, and all those kinds of things. And we're getting some very conflicting results. Um, All the systematic reviews that have been done have been inconclusive, um, with some some studies showing really strong evidence that menstrual cycle does affect those things, and some showing that it really doesn't. So if we look at, like, ACL injuries, um, so there's a lot of thought that you would, you're more at risk in the first half of your cycle uh, for an ACL injury. But in fact, um, there's been a lot of studies um, since then which haven't shown any association. So it's not something that, so talking to people, I wouldn't tell them that their menstrual cycle, the time of the menstrual cycle is affecting their ACL risk. Yeah. So the most important thing, I guess, about um, the time of the menstrual cycle and affecting your performance is knowing how your menstrual cycle affects you. Yeah. Uh, so if you do are one of those people who get bloated or feel unwell, um, get get some pain during their cycle, then that's probably the time that's going to affect your performance more than no matter when that time is in your cycle than someone else who gets pain or bloating at a different time in their cycle. Yeah. I think that's a really important point to make is that, and this is obviously borne out by what's happening in the research, 
it's so individual. It's, you, you, you can't really generalise. Each woman may feel, you know, some people have quite strong reactions to um, having their period and they get cramps and all sorts of things, whereas other women really don't have much effect from it. So understanding your own cycle and how that affects you and depending on what sport you're playing and those things, maybe letting your coach know um, if you're not feeling great is, I think, important, um, an important part of it as well. And, Catherine, you also mentioned while, while we're talking about hormones that there are some hormones we know about that can impact our training. So perhaps you can explain to us what, what those are. Yeah, so probably the big one that um, affects, tra- so there's a couple, like lots of hormones change um, with training adaptions. Um, so things like insulin, um, so your body becomes more sensitive to insulin um, with as a training effect, uh, which is great because it reduces the amount of insulin that your body needs to produce the same effect, um, which reduces the onset um, of type 2 diabetes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That's really important and one of the reasons that exercise is so beneficial for your health. Um, the one that um, most people we kind of talk a little bit more about in terms of training is the cortisol response. Um, so cortisol is kind of considered the stress hormone. Um, so it rises anytime your body is under stress, um, whether that's stressed at work, stressed if something happened, or the acute training response. That's a stressful part of your body. Uh, part of the body system Um, and that's like inducing stress is important um, to stimulate adaption but if your body if you're inducing stress too often then that can be a detrimental effect um, where your body kind of falls over um, and high levels of cortisol um, are related to poorer health outcomes Um, not to say that you you shouldn't train and you um, you should do those things but you need to monitor that so if training is the only thing that's bringing your cortisol up and that's great. Most people can manage that. Mm-hmm. You start to add in other things like work's not going so well, relationship problems, those kinds of things. That's when we're starting to increase our cortisol um, a lot. And that's when we start to see problems with training and um, people's response to that and kind of falling into that tired athlete kind of picture. Um, so being able to recognise that those are the things that are um, that there is a, there is a hormonal response um, driving that um, can be important too. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is uh, the overall lifestyle is really important. So things like reducing stress um, if necessary and actually exercise can help reduce stress. So <laughs> that's probably a good thing. And, balance. and I guess it comes back to like there's a reason elite athletes only train. Um, they don't have to do all of the other things because yeah. they're stressing their body out in other ways. Um, so people, it's often people who are trying to fit in literally everything um, that kind of suffer from this when they um, tip the balance um, just off the scales. Yeah, that's so true. I was speaking to my physio, I'm constantly at the physio, about that because elite athletes, uh, their whole life is geared towards when they do actually train, they're training in the best state possible. They're reco- well recovered, they have the right nutrition, um, all of those things, whereas the kind of weekend warrior type or the sub-elite type are trying to squeeze all those other things into their life. So things like recovery perhaps or um, the right nutrition may fall by the wayside a bit and, you know, it's just a bit harder to manage. So, yeah, I think that's an important thing to think about as well when you're 
a weekend warrior type? Yeah, yeah. And it's certainly like it's a really common thing that I see people for um, that like the tired athlete is, is not an uncommon presentation and that's part of the conversation that I go through with them is recognising all the other stuff um, that's going on. One thing I was really curious about is um, when we were talking about the menstrual cycle before, where did you learn all about that? Was that taught to you in medical school or did you just pick that up from being um, a sports person yourself? Like, How did you come across that knowledge? Mostly from med school. Uh, yeah, I don't think I could, uh, I'd, like I've had a conversation with a coach or anything about menstrual cycles or anything. Um, I, I was quite lucky, I guess, that, um, with my mum who was doing a lot of exercise when we were growing up, kind of taught me how to manage all of those things. Um, and then, yeah, getting all the science and everything has been at med school and um, through training as a sports and exercise physician, now talking to people a lot about it. Um, yeah, probably kind of a mixture of all those things. Yeah, and no, I find that really interesting because for women who are playing a lot of sport who are not studying medicine, I'm just wondering where they might get their information because I know that previously, at least in elite sport, women were not really educated about the menstrual cycle. And, you know, I'm hoping that things are changing a bit now and coaches are more, you know, understanding on and on board with all of that. Absolutely, things are changing. Um, so I talk to all my female athletes about their periods um, and certainly it's part of the AFLW and the Super Netball mandatory education program for each season. Um, so they have that, like, they have to have an hour or two about that each season. Um, it's in all of our pre-season checks. Um, so we screen everyone, all of our teams that we're looking after um, the start of each season is always a conversation on top of the education topics. Mm-hmm. The average person who doesn't have access to those kind of um, support networks, um, everyone can get educated. Um, there's this really great um, resource um, developed by the Australian Institute of Sport and the Female Health and Performance Initiative, um, so on the AIS website, um, which has education modules and um, resources for um, all about female athletes um, that's targeted at both coaches and um, athletes. And so it has topics like periods, um, energy availability, um, managing incontinence, um, fitting a sports bra, eating like correct diet, all like heaps of topics, um, which are all a really great resource um, for people. It's all free on the AIS website. Oh, that's brilliant. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Um, yeah, that, that's great to know that people can access that for free if they're not getting that information otherwise. I mean, perhaps... Kids are getting that information a little bit more at school now than than we ever. Well, when I say we, I ever did. <laughs> Obviously, older than you. You mentioned there finding the right sports bra. I attended a runners education evening, and you were one of the presenters, which was great. And you spoke to the topic of finding the right sports bra, which I thought, wow, that's really interesting. I've never heard someone address that before. Um, even though I'm quite involved in sport myself. So I thought that's really important information to share. So what should we look for when we're when we look for a good sports bra? A good sports bra is comfortable, um, supportive, and produces a min- like the minimal amount of breast bounce. Um, so things like it covers the whole breast, um, so there's no side boob or anything going on. 
you're not don't feel like your breasts are bouncing too much it's not painful when you're running and it's not giving you any like chafe or any um injuries or anything um from the bra and what's the problem with breast bouncing what impact or what effect can that have so the um, breast tissue um, is all connective tissue. There's no muscle supporting it. Um, so the constant breast bounce um, can stretch the connective tissue, um, so leading to um, saggy boobs um, and also uh, like sore boobs as well. Um, and so it also affects the way that you hold yourself um, when you're running or exercising. So there's a, lot, a couple of studies to show that um, you, the muscle activation in your chest and your shoulders um, is different if you're not wearing a supportive bra because you're trying to use those muscles that don't aren't there um, to support the breast instead. And so that can have a performance detriment. So a good fitting sports bra reduces breast bounce by 60%. Okay. Mm. So quite significant and quite impressive the difference you can feel. Um, there's a lady who, um, a physio, sports physio in Wollongong, Deidre McGee, um, who's done a lot of research on um, breast injuries and um, breast pain in athletes. And uh, she did a study with um, elite uh, female athletes, mostly in football codes, um, looking at their bra fit, uh, and said she had lots of people who had um, been always wore a sports bra when they were training um, and either had small boobs or thought they had um, a bra that fit. And when she actually, and the study that she did, she had almost 50% of them were wearing sports bras that didn't fit. Wow. So then when she put them in a bra that did fit, they're like, oh, I didn't realize that I was uncomfortable until now I'm wearing one that is comfortable. Now, lovely podcast listeners, as you know, one of my passions is to bring you reliable information about nutrition. With this in mind, I've created a free guide called Five Common Nutrition Myths Debunked. So if you want to know whether carbs make you gain weight or if red wine is good for your heart, download my free guide via the link in the show notes. Back to sports bras. I asked Catherine what to look for when buying a sports bra and if she had any specific brand recommendations. Uh, No. I mean, I guess the short answer is um, a good bra is a bra that fits. Yeah. So like a new pair of jeans, um, it's important to be able to put on a bra and feel comfortable in it and want to wear it all the time. It's not the first thing you want to take off when you get home. Uh, So like that pair of jeans, um, it is important to try on lots of different ones and find what fits. To get some help about what fits, um, so I was talking about, so Deirdre's actually developed an app which you can um, look and take shopping with you. It's like taking her shopping with you. It's quite (laughs) awesome. Uh, It goes through the, like, the fit um, and has pictures of what it should look like, mm-hmm. um, how to adjust it to see if it is too big, if it's too small, and then like a video of what um, an acceptable amount of breast bounce is, and what an unacceptable amount is, and goes through how to fit it. Uh, so it's yeah, it's like taking her shopping with you. It's fabulous. Oh, that's that sounds very useful, and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. Um, that's very important information, I think, particularly for girls who perhaps um, don't have their mothers shopping with them or they're just, you know, in the in the shop by themselves and they need that kind of help and information. I, I do find that women that work in those um, departments are often really helpful in that area too. 
Yeah, they are. Um, so that's like useful and certainly in places like Maya or DJs or something where they have that is really useful. Probably most of those bras um, aren't supportive enough for people with bigger breasts though. So going to somewhere like Rebel or something like that that actually have a wider range of high support bras, um, yeah, where there's people who aren't quite as trained, um, it's very useful too. Yeah, and some of the sports bras have ratings, I think, given by the, might be the AIS, which tells you how much support they give you depending on the level of intensity of your exercise. So that's why I find that quite useful myself as well. Yeah, yeah. So that's a, that's a great place to start. So there's no point starting with a yoga bra if you know that you're going to run in it. Yeah. Uh, so you can go for the one and then, and then see how it fits um, and how things go from there. Yeah, and you have to go for comfort and support, not looks. <laughs> That's it. I mean, looks are important. So there's like there's lots of different shapes of bras too because it is important that, you know, depending on how tight your shirt is or how you want the shirt to sit um, for that to look right, and that's a completely reasonable um, reason to choose it one bra over another uh, as long as it still fits you. Yeah. Um, sure. The thing to remember is that um, with the level of support, like the AIS do the recommendations, but for someone who has breasts that are a double D or bigger, there's nothing on the market which will su- provide you with enough support. So you do need to wear, so almost certainly need to wear two bar- two bras if you're um, bigger than a double D. Yeah, gee, that's, um, I wonder if something will de- be developed for women like that because that doesn't sound very comfortable to me wearing two bras. <laughs> No, uh, no, it's not. Um, but certainly the, like um, the athletes that I've had who do that, I say it works. It's so much better. Um, yeah. so it'll be about um, developing new um, uh, fabrics and the way that we stitch the fabrics and things to get them going. Yeah. Um, the progress that we make. Oh, excellent. So watch this space. Um, so, Catherine, thank you so much for your time with me. And I wanted to wrap up by asking you, who inspires you? Uh, in my work, I'd probably say Dr. Sharon Flahive. Um, so she's a female sports physician um, who works in Sydney. Um, she's an amazing woman. Um, she was the first female sports physician that I met. Um, and she was appointed to the, uh, she was the first female sports physician appointed to a professional rugby team back in 1999. Uh, and so she worked for the Waratahs um, for 20 years and um, is now the Wallabies um, team doctor. Uh, so she's made the rugby change room traditionally a very male-dominated area her own. Um, she's incredibly passionate about her work and is now a big part of my training. She's now the training director of the College of Sports and Exercise Positions. Um, so, yeah, she's pretty awesome. Yeah, she sounds great. And what an excellent role model for you to have to look up to. Yeah, that's and the final question I like to ask all my guests is if you could recommend two things that people could do to improve their well-being, what would they be? Uh, take the time to watch a sunset or a sunrise uh, and enjoy that piece of cake. Yeah, oh, that's great advice. I like that. Catherine, thank you so much. And if people want to have a look at what you're doing or if they live in Adelaide and would like to um, visit your clinic, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, so, I, yeah, as, as you said, I work at the Sports and Arthritis Clinic. Um, so, yeah, just going onto our website, you can book appointments online to see me there. Great. Thank you so much. Well, have an excellent day and enjoy your time. You're in Newcastle at the moment. Is that right? Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, should be. Hopefully the rain clears up um, and we'll have a nice day. Um, yeah, thank you very much for having me. I hope everybody learned something uh, today. Um, and, yeah, come and see me at Spark if you want to talk more about it.
Great. Thank you so much. And that was Dr. Catherine Grellman helping us understand the female menstrual cycle and also giving us some advice on how to find the correct fitting sports bra and why that's important. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and found it useful. If you did, please share the podcast and tell your friends about it. Word of mouth is still one of the best ways for people to find out about Vibrant Lives podcast. And if you could take a minute to leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, I'd be so grateful for that. Please follow me on Instagram at vibrant underscore lives underscore podcast or on Facebook at Vibrant Lives Podcast. On my website at vibrantlivespodcast.com, you'll find a library of all my previous podcast episodes and reviews of books about health and well-being that I recommend. Please do DM me or send me a message via the contacts page on my website and let me know if there's something you'd like to hear more about, someone you'd like me to interview, or if you just want to say hi. I always love to hear from listeners. Coming up, I'll be interviewing Dr. Ivanka Pritchard about body image. We'll look at how the media plays into that, and we'll also analyse the Fitspo trend. I'm super interested to hear what Ivanka has to say about that. This podcast is recorded on ancient Ghana land. I acknowledge the Ghana people as the traditional custodians of the land and pay respects to their elders past, present and future. Thank you for tuning in today. Eat well, move well, think well, live vibrantly.